It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The UK online and on DAB. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. The Big Chief with a badge, a cattle prod and a head on a stick. Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. We've reached the end of yet another week and we're edging ever closer to yet another month and yet another deadline for Brexit and yet another election as well. There's going to be one of those next week. There's going to be another one uh, next month. It just goes on and on and on and on. Coming up this morning, we'll be finding out why Jeremy Hunt has suddenly decided that a no-deal Brexit might be the way to go, even if there's no sign whatsoever that we are getting any closer to nothing actually happening. We may have to check in to the Brexit countdown clock coming up in this show uh, before the end of it at one o'clock. Also coming up this morning though, uh, it's far more important, the move by the House of Lords this week to end the triple lock guarantee for pensions in this country as well as stripping away free TV licences and winter fuel payments under what has rather laughingly been called intergenerational fairness. What we basically have here are a lot of overprivileged and unelected peers attempting to punish our old age pensioners in order to subsidise the young. The problem here is that the intergenerational fairness doctrine should surely work the other way around. Surely those who have already made their contribution to society should be being looked after by those who haven't contributed yet. We'll be speaking to Lord True from the committee making the recommendations 0344 499 Coming up, we'll be also finding out why uh, whether this Huawei leak is actually such a big deal. And if it is something more than politicking, why aren't the government taking it more seriously? Also, why is a good night's sleep really going to make you feel better in the morning? And everything's going to look better as well. 0344 499 We'll take loads of your calls between now and one o'clock. And because it's Friday, we've got another sparkling edition of the Perrier Awards, an homage to my brilliance in broadcasting this week. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, right here on Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Now, there are lots of people on Twitter and many people yesterday on Twitter recommending to me that I have a look uh, at this particular representation from uh, the uh, Intergenerational Fairness Committee inside of the House of Lords, because what they are saying uh, is that they want to do away with the the, the triple lock, which guarantees pensions are protected from inflation because they will either rise by 2.5% or a series of other rises, depending on which one is actually higher. Uh, They want to take away the TV licences, which uh, pensioners get for free for over the 
age of 75, and they also want to take away free travel. Now, I'm fully aware, and I'm fully expecting to hear lots of different arguments this morning, I'm fully aware uh, that there are some problems with the winter heating allowance. My own mother, for example, who's 95 and who lives in the United States of America, still gets the winter heating allowance, even though she doesn't even live in Britain anymore, even though she keeps trying to return it, even though she keeps trying to tell them she doesn't need it and doesn't want it, uh, she still keeps getting it. And there are plenty of pensioners who live abroad uh, who get it as well. And that surely is inefficiency and should be stopped. But the, the TV licence, the free travel, why take that away from people uh, if they need it and if it encourages them to be more active and if it encourages them uh, to live longer? Surely that is the right thing to do. And for me, the doctrine of fairness, intergenerationally speaking, is that the younger people in this country pay for the older people who have already contributed. Let's talk to Lord Drew, who's chair of the Intergenerational Fairness and Provision Committee, uh, because we'd love to hear from him what his logic is in this particular instance. Lord True, a very good morning to you. Hi there, nice to speak. Yes, thanks very much indeed for joining us. I mean, do you agree with me that the intergenerational sort of doctrine should be the other way around, that the the young should really be supporting the old rather than the other way, than than the old supporting the young? Well, we'll come on to the the point about uh, pension benefits in in a second. I, I need to put this in context. What we are looking at is a new world in which, and that's a great thing, uh, people are going to live to be 100, the 100-year life. And what our committee is looking forward to is that period and saying that we need to change, we need to look at lifelong training, we need to help young people, yes, get housing and act on that immediately. Um, But over time, we need to adjust some of our policies and see that people are not dropped dead at 60, most of them. A lot of people will go on wanting to have active lives, Mm. and we should look at adjusting uh, our policies to the new world that's emerging. Now, the other thing I would say is um, one newspaper yesterday said that our committee recommended that people who enjoyed these benefits should have them taken away. That is totally false. Paragraph 241 of our committee, if you want anybody wants to look it up, says that anybody who is receiving these benefits today, that is free television licenses, free bus passes, and uh, the winter fuel allowance should go on receiving them. There's no question of uh, our committee suggesting those should be taken away. What we are saying is looking to the future, the 72-year-old of the future is going to be as fit as the 62-year-old of the last generation. So in, in, in the future, uh, bus passes should probably not be dropping onto the doormats of millionaires in London at the age of 60. Uh, we will want mobility. It's a good thing environmental and socially that people move around and they have free travel support as they get older. But um, as the population um, uh, grows, uh, we get more active elderly people, we, need, we can look at giving bus passes and those kind of things at a higher age. And we can do more things for older people. We need to retrain older people. We don't want people to be put on the scrap heap. There's too much ageism in our society. We need to be able to afford retraining to enable those older people who want to go on working, not making people go on working, but those who want to go on working have help. So we're asking for the government to look at, or governments in the future, to look at some adjustment from the world where everybody says, oh, this is an old age pensioner, they're 60, we must give them this, 
to a world in which um, uh, there is some adjustment. But I repeat, we are not suggesting that anybody who now receives any of these benefits should really, should lose sure. them. Sure, but, 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 but people have been put in put in that. Uh, no, but I mean the, the the principle is the same essentially. I mean, uh, well, yeah. you may not be going to somebody's house and taking their free bus pass off them, but you're still saying that people in the future shouldn't get them. And g- generally speaking, I I'm imagine they should wait. Uh, we are. Well, I'm not. I'm saying our committee is saying that people can wait to an older age than it's, it's 60 in London, sure. uh, 60 in Scotland. They can wait to an older age. People are fit, active, and many people are working at 60. If people That's are in fine. need... That's fine, but hang on. One, one thing I would point out to you, Lord True, is that an awful lot of people uh, who live in rural parts of this country can't even get a bus, never mind have a free bus pass to use on that bus, so there's not very many yes, places they can actually it, yeah. go. So that's a bigger problem in some ways. Also, I feel that there's more that could be made from uh, perhaps sort of... Uh, the use of better technology. For example, I don't know quite how you pay for bus passes for old age pensioners in this country at the moment, whether you pay a fixed amount of money or it just charges whenever it's used. But surely now in the advent of sort of in the age of contactless payments, you could you could issue a bus pass to a millionaire in London. He might never use it. Right. And so it would only actually cost anything when he put his uh, his contactless card against a machine and it was then charged. You see what I'm saying? I do. Well, I think you're right to say that all sorts of admin should be um, uh, should be tried. I think you're trusting in human nature to think if the millionaire gets free to, free bus pass that they won't use it. Uh, how did they get to be a millionaire in the first place? Well, not by getting free bus passes, I'm pretty sure. Uh, but I mean, no, I think by taking advantage of whatever they got. Look, don't I, tell me I, you're I another your Tory point. that's turning on the rich, Lord True. I mean, there's a lot of it about these days. Uh, well, I don't. I, I think that everybody who can afford to, and we are moving into a society where we are going to have to pay and support older people mm. on a larger on a larger scale, with the growing social care costs and so on. Sure, everybody is going to have to make a contribution, and that does mean uh, it's not uh, it, it's not a comfortable thing to say. But um, some people who can afford to should should chip in a bit. No, more. listen, I, I don't I don't disagree with that as a general principle. I mean, I, my, my in my heart, I feel bad about that because my my principle of people paying into a system which I know is very outmoded and very old fashioned now. But you know, yeah. the idea that you paid into a system in order to get a pension, I think is it's a great idea. Well, it's a great idea, and it's unfortunate now that that times in this day and age don't seem to well, work that way. If I could come in on that, mm. I mean, that is absolutely the fundamental point of our report has been taken out of consideration, out of, out of context. Yeah. What we're saying is government over generations is short-termist, and it hasn't looked mm. to, to the long term, which is why pension, pension of poverty grew so substantially in the late 20th century and why the triple lock, which you mentioned earlier, was then, was then brought in. Um, we are asking for government, when we talk about intergenerational, we're loading debt at the moment on people who are neither old nor young, yeah. but they are the people who are just being born. Government should be asked to say, how are you actually going to pay for these things you're promising now? You can't just say, well, that little kid that's just been born is going to pay for it in 50 years' time. These are the kind of questions we're, we're asking in that context. We're, 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 we're saying that with a growing older population, that there will have to be some uh, some sacrifices made actually by all. Yes, quite. But the other problem I think that we're going to see in the future, Lord True, is, is it's very nice to say people could, could work till they're 70, 
1975 if they wish to. But unfortunately, age discrimination being what it is, there are very few places that will employ older people when they can employ somebody younger, partly for, for the purposes of, of, of how much they might have to pay them, partly because a lot of people don't like being surrounded by people that might know a bit more than them. And, you know, there is a very big problem with employing I, older okay. people. I totally agree with you. I walked into the BBC yesterday and I didn't see a single grey hair in There you go. Yeah. As a matter of fact, um, we do say in another part of our report, which again hasn't been given much attention, that ageism is what it, there's lots of talk of isms of this and isms of that around in our society at the moment. But this is one thing that goes on stealthily, quietly, and, and is undealt with. A lot of people, once they get past 55, know in their hearts that if they put themselves forward for a job, somebody's going to raise their eyebrows at them. And that is something that we uh, we need to deal with in mm. society. But we also, again, say in our report that this concept that you go and you learn something at the age of 25 and then, yes, you build your skills in a job or whatever through life, that's good. But things are changing so fast that older people can be can be left behind. We live in a society at the moment. I went to try and pay some money. My brother died lately. I went to try and pay some money in, in a bank. Mm. I had checks, something old-fashioned like old people use. I had to wait 39 minutes Goodness in the me. nearest bank branch that hadn't been closed to deal with it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there are people who, who, who are not being respected and cannot cope with the changes in our society. So in terms of intergenerational fairness, we're saying there needs to be a lot more uh, support for those who want to work. Yeah. As I say, I repeat, I'm not saying that everybody should have to, but we want people, if someone's 55, they don't want to go into a, an interview and say, do you know about this latest technique that's cropped up? They should have been trained on well, it. Well, maybe the civil service is the answer. Maybe you can bring them into the civil service and, and get the civil service working better because currently it doesn't seem to work very well at all. Um, in well, terms don't of... start me on that one. I was told you didn't <laughs> want to talk about that subject. Uh, well, I want to talk about every subject. I do a talk show, Lord True, so I talk about absolutely anything. But let me ask you this. Um, is it also not time to streamline the system? Like we mentioned the, uh, the contactless kind of situation with um yeah. uh, with with travel cards and that kind of thing the winter fuel payment as i said my my own mother who's 95 and doesn't look like she's going anywhere anytime soon um is living in america she gets the winter fuel allowance every time the weather turns cold in this country she keeps trying to tell them she doesn't want it and she doesn't need it but they keep sending it to her anyway and there must be millions and millions of pounds that we could save by by streamlining that and making it more efficient I think that's true. Um, it's very widely so in public public administration. I mean, it's a paradox that the more computers around, the less uh, effective it, it needs mm. to be. My wife's been trying to cancel a medical appointment for the last three months and keeps getting sent a replacement appointment. Right. Um, and, uh, yes, there's a massive amount of, of, of waste that goes on. Again, that's not something that was in our report, but uh, I think the points you make are absolutely valid. Uh, people are driven to despair by some of the stuff that goes on in, in, in what's theoretically a more intelligent world. Right. But as artificial intelligence comes in and more and more stuff is, uh, is, is done by artificial intelligence because big companies want to, want to uh, cut costs, again, we have to help people to um, be able to cope and confront that uh, situation mm. a bit better, which is, again, why we're calling for a big investment in training for people in later life. Sure, which is a great idea, but I'm not sure where the money's coming from because we've only just heard, and Yvonne has, has, has tweeted me this, if you don't mind, I'll read it to you. Free bus passes aren't available until we reach pension age of 65 and upwards unless you live in London, Wales or Scotland. And also women born in the 50s have just had a six-year hike to the age that they can get their pensions, not that anyone bothered to inform us. And that's true. Um, you know, So if you yeah. are an older person and you are a pensioner at this point,
point. I mean, I know people personally who were expecting to retire um, as women uh, of a certain age and have now found out they've got to work for another six years, which is pretty uh, dramatic no, well, again, stuff. Uh, again, tell me about it, and I'd say to Yvonne, I mean, I totally understand the point that, that, that she makes. I mean, indeed, again, in our report, uh, much-criticised report, when we uh, talked about uh, transferring the age up when you get um, a bus pass to ultimately five years above the pension age, we explicitly say, in the case of these women who I think were badly done by, I mean, it wasn't, wasn't a decision taken by some government before last, and it's not a recent decision, um, that their position should be protected, so they shouldn't have to wait um, in the same way as they're waiting for pensions, because mm. otherwise those women would get a double whammy. I mean, I, I think that they are that that is a set of really good, hard-working people who got a great shock, um, who uh, need to be respected. And uh, our report certainly recognises that in this small part of it, where we're talking about uh, moving up the age for for bus passes okay. for the future. Well, listen, Lord Chair, appreciate your time. Thank you very much indeed. We will be debating this. If you care to listen in, we'll be on Talk Radio uh, until one o'clock. Thank you very much indeed, Lord True Chair of the Intergenerational Fairness and Provision Committee. Do you agree with him? Uh, I agree with him on parts of it, uh, but I think possibly the plans that they have uh, to basically tell uh, older people in this country that, you know, sorry, there isn't enough money for you. We're going to have to change the way we do everything. It's just going to make people feel slightly betrayed and slightly let down, I would have thought. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. 0344-499-1000 coming up a little bit later on. The Perrier Awards, of course, because it is Friday. Uh, it is a big weekend coming up and uh, lots, lots more happening uh, between now uh, and the weekend, of course. George Galloway coming up tonight. Matthew Wright coming up at one o'clock. Let's go to Keith, uh, who's calling in from Finchley, North London. Hi, Keith. Hi, Mike. How Hello. You Very good uh, afternoon. What do you want to tell us? I wanted to speak about the um, cuts they uh, talk about making to the triple lock. Yes, and the bus passes, the free TV licence, mm. etc. Yes. Now, I'm assuming this is because we're the country's short of money. Yes, absolutely. So I've got an idea. How about these Lord this and Lady the other and Dame whatever and the right honourable him and her start paying the full amount for the best food they can get in... Westminster, yeah. the best wine available, the best champagne, and we are all contributing to that because it's subsidised. Yes. We have nurses that are working full time that have to go to food banks to feed their children. It's a 
damn disgrace. It really is. It's difficult. I, I can see, I can feel your anger and I can feel you trying not to swear because that's how we all feel. Because it's ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, the idea that also we get preached to by these people that, oh, well, of course, you know, yes. we haven't done this, we haven't done that. Well, sorry, you haven't done that. You haven't worried about it because you haven't had to. And it's like they think these people are only going to the food bank because they want to keep some money back to go down the betting shop yeah, or somewhere. I know. These people are on the bread line. Yeah. It's shocking, absolutely shocking, Keith. And I, I mean, I'm all for the fact that there are certain people who uh, don't need a free bus pass. That's fine. There are certain people that probably don't need a Windsor fuel allowance. That's fine. But if they made them their operation a bit more efficient, they'd save loads of money. Agreed, hundred percent. Yeah. And I'm sure these lords and ladies, this and that, and the people in the House of Commons don't need their bus passes. The ones over sixty-five. No. They don't need the Windsor fuel allowance. How many of them? I'm refusing it or putting it into a charity. Well, um, that's a very I'd good love question. To see a register of that. Yeah, well, not only not only are they not having to worry about using the bus, they can quite happily use taxis and then claim it back. Yeah, you know. And we're going to pay. I mean, I can't claim taxis anymore as a single man running a business. I'm not allowed to claim for travel because I'm not. You know, the tax people have have, have outlawed that. So you know, I'm Indeed. sorry, but they can. So that's great, isn't it? Marvellous. Yeah, let's, let's screw the public. Mm, ridiculous. Keith, great call. Thank you very much. The Human Zoo, where they don't hide away the sick animals. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. On Talk Radio. Bruce Springsteen's just announced he's printing out a new album, by the way, in June, for any of you who like Bruce Springsteen. Apparently, um, uh, the first album he's done in five years, uh, called Western Stars. I only really realised that uh, after that song came up, uh, one of my very favourite Bruce Springsteen songs. But there we are. We might have to try and find a few tracks of that to play. Uh, we're going to speak in a moment uh, to a very interesting man who's going to tell us a very interesting story. Let me read you a couple of quick tweets, though, before we do that. Uh, a text here from Mal in Birmingham. He says, Mike, tell that idiot who said people earning under 28 grand don't contribute anything. When I started work in the 70s, I was paying an income tax rate where a third of your earnings went in income tax and not the basic rate of 20 pence that you have now. Uh, and also, uh, here's one from uh, Lucy who says, employers should pay 20-somethings more. There is a huge difference in wages between my two sons in their 30s uh, and one in their 20s. And Nicola says, uh, Danny is right, but the benefits spiralled out of control. Tax credits at one point being paid to families earning £50,000. I would support child benefit being scrapped, as I'm with you. Uh, can't afford with... Uh, them don't have them. Uh, it's an unpopular choice, but I know that's right. Well, I think that's true too. I mean, universal benefits, the problem with universal benefits is that not everybody needs them, but people will take them if they're given them. And if you don't give them to the people who don't need them, then you'll save an awful lot of money. Now, I'm going to talk about something slightly different here before we take any more of your calls, because Sky News did a very interesting report uh, recently about a group of motorbike owners, right, who patrol the streets of Manchester looking for stolen bikes, because we were telling you just a couple of days ago that Manchester police have now admitted that they basically can only investigate about 50% of the crimes that are reported to them, because they don't have the wherewithal to do anything about it. Police budget cuts mean that basically 
basically um, these guys who have formed themselves into a group. It's not a vigilante gang. They don't want to do any harm to anybody. They just want to get their bikes back because they got fed up seeing everything getting nicked in front of their eyes and nobody doing anything about it. We're going to talk to a man uh, who's calling himself Brian. Uh, for obvious reasons, we don't need to know his real name. Brian, a very good morning to you. Welcome. Good morning, Pop. How thank, are you? Thank, yeah, very well indeed. Thanks very much for joining us. This is, um, in a way, a sort of chilling story because you shouldn't have to do this, but but it's interesting that you are doing it and, and you're having quite a lot of success, it seems. Yeah, uh, I think some of the figures there that the uh, that you mentioned about the police doing uh, could only uh, do 50%. Uh, is is absolutely is is overinflated. Yeah. I'd say more. I'd say more ten to fifteen percent really. <laughs> yeah, right. I'd say most time a motorbike or scooter gets nicked is because we do uh, we we do have both motorcyclists and scooterists uh, involved. Right. Um, is you just give the police reference number for your insurance and that's it. Yeah. Uh, but they're not just being stolen. Also, people are being attacked for them. People are being chased with knives. Uh, they're being dragged off them by gangs. Yeah. So uh, you know the the, the rise and uh, recently we got the figures of Great, Great Manchester Police and it just seemed ludicrous compared to what we knew. Mm. You know, we know on average it's, it's generally about ten to twenty bikes a day. That's incredible. And are they mostly being stolen to be used in another robbery or to be used in some kind of violent attack? Different areas have different uses right. some areas they will they will just nick them to uh, uh, buzz around on them right. and burn them out afterwards some areas they will use them for drug running uh, for the older lads some areas they will yeah that they'll target certain certain ones obviously right. you know for money to break down right. uh, just recently one in Cornwall a friend's uh, a friend scooter. It was in a scooter shop in Cornwall, and f- five were taken. You know, including classic Lambrettas, you know, classic right. Vespers. It's a lot of money when you think about it. Sure. Really, you know, we've worked, we've worked out, and those those type of things as well. You can't just go into a shop and replace. You know, a lot of people build the Lambrettas mm. and the Vespers. The motorbikes are a different are a different case. You know, a lot of them are off the shelf. However, it doesn't, you know, you know, we don't differentiate between a motorbike, a scooter or a moped. Sure. And presumably with the number of these things being nicked, then your insurance is going to rise up as well, isn't it? Well, obviously, yeah, our, our insurance is, is going to rise. But not only that as well, the, the next thing that we're fighting about is is what a lot of people and what the public don't know is that recovery companies are paying the police, they're bidding for the rights to actually recover them. So I think it was uh, it's online Mansfields a couple of years ago. Hmm. They paid five million plus for every bike or car to recover to give the police a cut off. So not only we're we being robbed of the fees, we're being robbed of Dear the mate. police as well. That's unbelievable, though, isn't it? It really is. And it, I mean, and, and, and I mean, I've heard stories, and we've had people calling this show to tell us things that whenever we talk about the police and their unwillingness to, to do anything. I mean, I had one. I remember one guy very very well who tracked his own stolen motorbike. Because it had a tracker device on it, and it was in a lockup yeah. in a in a in a place that he found, and the police would not go to the lockup and break into it, even though he said, "Look, I can see that you know my machine is telling me that the bike is inside there." They wouldn't open the place yeah. up because they said that's not enough evidence. <laughs> it's crackers. Yeah, yeah, we've had ones like that. We had another friend uh, last year. Uh, he had his Vespa GTS, which seems to be uh, a, a scooter of choice. Stick the nick in. He had one nicked. Uh, from an area just outside of Manchester, it was seen about two weeks later in another area. Right. He went down to that area in his jeep, saw it, gave chase to them. They, they cut on onto him. 
he actually rammed his own scooter. Mm. He took pictures of it. The lad fled. Um, he got the helmet. He phoned the police. The police said, right, okay, yeah, all right, right. He was there an hour. The, basically, the lads that had fled turned up in two cars full of, you know, with baseball bats to knives. Yeah. So he had to flee, you know, for his life. An hour, you know. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, it could, it could. I mean, I've, I've seen the report, and it says that obviously you're not looking to get into trouble. You're not looking to harm anybody. But it could turn no. pretty nasty. This, couldn't it? It could. It could. Some of us. I mean, we do have some ex-forces with us. We do have some lads who've done, you know, obviously self-defence courses. Yeah. We do actually wear stab-proof vests. Some of us. Okay. We're in to- we're in constant communication. We all have track. We have a tracker system. Uh, we have a radio system with with alerts. So basically, we have a couple of girls. That, you know, it's not just we're not just doing this on a whim. No, we plan it properly. You know, we all have a radio com system where we get in touch. We all have a tracker. So there's girls at home that can see see whereas we are individually in a certain area. You know, if we're doing a patrol, right. and then put us all together. And are you out every so, night then, or is it just certain nights which are bad, worse than others? We we go out as much as we can. Because we do it in our in our free time, yeah. we do it you know out of our own money, and we we just want to make we just want to make a difference mm. you know to our community. What we see ourselves as you have a, you have the neighbourhood watch. We see ourselves more as that type of thing, but within the biking and scooting community. Yeah. yeah, and what are the police saying to you, if anything? Because one of the things I'm quite surprised about is that that they haven't started nicking you guys. Well, I mean, we are trying to work with one or two individuals at the moment. I've just handed over a, a, a dossier uh, because, as I said, we, we we try to do it professionally, a dossier on known thieves, known riders, you know, that we go out and make these things that we've collected through social media. Uh, so so we try to build up relations. We do have, we do have you know... We, so basically, if there's a bike that we can't trace back to its owner, they want to We will, we will phone the police. We'll contact them all. We'll take it back to the police station. Right. You know, and say we can't do this. You've got the kit. You don't know, to further investigate it. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, can you take it off yeah. our hands? Right. And will they? Will they sometimes do that? Yeah, yeah. Generally, they're willing to. But uh, I mean, the other thing that a lot of people get miffed off about if they see stolen motorbikes or if they find one is they'll phone 999999 I'll tell them it's not an emergency they'll phone 101 then they'll be on the phone for 20 minutes an mm. hour so they get fed up yeah uh, what I would say is don't go down that route every police force has a live chat if you go on live chat it's instant mm. so it will be reported instantly yeah and, and, and it will be recorded and logged instantly and that's actually easier to do yeah it's actually a lot easier to do. And a lot of people say, you know, we're not into. You can do it on your phone, look, G- you know, a GMP or yeah. Liverpool Metropolitan or London GMP live chat. You log it, so the crime figures are going higher. Um, as part of that video as well, you did see the Manchester uh, Roads Policing Team, which used to be called Quantico. Yeah. Now they have, they have four motorbikes with free off-road train with free off-road trained riders mm. for the whole of the 10 boroughs of Greater Manchester. It's not enough, is it? So, it's not enough. It's, it's not more than, And And they, they will only go out to a certain area when a police force has requested them based on figures. Yeah. So so once again, a lot of the time, the figures aren't being, you know, reported because people can't be, you know, they can't be bothered. Yeah. Or they go to, or they go to a desk and, and report it there and, 
you know, uh, it, it's just really, it's really exasperating, you, you know, I'm what's sure. going on. I'm sure it must be. But listen, Brian, good luck with it and be careful out there. I know you sound as if you know what you're doing, so uh, it sounds like you're in pretty good shape. But it must be a great service for people who are having their stuff nicked uh, that Brian and his mates are going out and getting it back because the police can't do it for you. A mid-morning dance with the devil. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. On Talk Radio. It's 12.33. It's Friday. It's time for this. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Perrier Awards. Is that new music again for the Perrier Awards? Uh, presented as ever uh, by Mr. Con Mendez, the uh, sometime producer of this show. He's been here all week. Actually, no, you haven't. Uh, no, you weren't here on Monday. Monday. Good, good Monday. <laughs> so just the four days of collecting then for you. Uh, yes, but fortunately we had our well, we have a team working on these. We do so, have a team. Uh, and the yeah, team were listening massive across Monday. Yes, show. absolutely. Well, I'm hoping that unlike last week, you might have put a few in for me this week. Well, let's see. Let's uh, see, shall w- we? Welcome to another edition mm. of the. Perry Awards. Uh, this is where we look back over the past week of the so-called Independent Republic of Mike Graham and choose our favourite moments. Let's begin, as is tradition, with you, Mike. Thank you. Uh, your first Perry of this week is the award for question of this w- question of the week for this burning matter. Also, have you noticed a lot of people lately have started to say we're taking a 360 de- degree approach to this? What does that mean exactly? I know what 360 degrees is, but I mean, why is everyone suddenly saying it? This is Talk Radio. It's a good question. Yeah, Nobody's well... Nobody's really answered it, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, keep keep the calls coming in on yeah. that. Uh, we look forward to the first yeah. one. Um, another Talk Radio presenter now. Jamie East joined us to talk about mm. uh, the Avengers. He wins the Perrier for Multitasker of the Week. Uh, as host of the Thronecast, it seemed uh, to sound like he was sat on a throne of his own at the time of interview. We're going to talk uh, to our very own glamour man, and he's, of course, Jamie East, host of the Talk Film Podcast, uh, who's seen the movie and is going to tell us all about it. Jamie, very good morning to you. Hey, mate, how are you doing? I'm wearing the same dress as Scarlett as well, so great day. <laughs> That's good, but I bet it's not the same size. Yeah. Not a nice image, really, is it? <laughs> no. Sorry about that. Uh, um, uh, you're uh, now, uh, rather appropriately, we're moving to Slashy of the Week. Oh, yes. Um, you'll remember, Mike, earlier we discussed this. Uh, uh, a Slashy is someone who has multiple jobs. And, uh, well, someone we should have got on is Talk Radio's very own Slashy. It's racing slash golf slash royal slash anything that's considered posh correspondent, <laughs> Rupert Bell. Right. Uh, he has also added a new role, uh, breaking event correspondent Mm. to his long list of titles this week when he was on The Breakfast Show. Uh, He managed to report live from this incident as it happened. Be a very sensible move. Once, obviously, they're going to be, you know, it's going to be about, oops, (laughs) my fire alarm's just gone off. I thought it was was Harry footing you up to give you an up-to-date briefing. (laughs) No, he's just burning the toast. I didn't know we included other people from other shows on this. Yeah. when did you do that? We've done it multiple no, times. No, we haven't. No, no. We've, we occasionally, well, no, we occasionally include things from Julie Hartley Brewer. Yeah, which is the breakfast show because she hosts that, it. That was the breakfast. Yeah, show. Yeah, but that's not the host of the breakfast show. I'm sorry. I'm afraid you. I think you're going too far, spreading the net too wide. I'd say. Uh, well, that's what I. That's what I'm saying. As, as I said, it's a team of people. I've got a, a thing I'd here from them. Lionheart who says if Roxy doesn't feature in the Perry Awards, you're going to have a very disappointed audience on your hands. So I'm hoping Roxy's in here. Is she? Um, we'll see. 
Uh, impre- I'll take that as a no, then. <laughs> no. Hopeless. Uh, impression of the week now. Uh, I'm happy to announce you've reclaimed this one. Excellent. Uh, for your take on Speaker John Burko. We'll be talking to John Mann, Labour MP for Bassett Law, because Tom Watson came out over the weekend completely and utterly without the say-so of his leader, Mr Jeremy Corbyn, as he's now known <laughs> whenever we mention his name. I think that's how I say it now all the time now. It's just I hear Burko's voice really? saying it. Yeah. yeah, it's very good. Mm, thank you. Uh, we always appreciate everyone's feedback on the show. Uh, this week's Tweet of the Week goes to, I think they're called Bath Hibby. My favourite tweet of the morning so far comes from Bath Hibby, uh, who's uh, tweeted it at Kevin McKenna. Superb erudite interview this morning uh, with Mike Graham. Uh, makes a change from the usual blowhards he normally has on. <laughs> It's a bit harsh. Yeah. He's a bit of a lefty, he's Bath Hibby. The Hibbies, of course, are the Hibernian football club. Yeah, I imagine so. And then I imagine he's based in Bath. I don't know if that's true, actually. Oh, it could be. Steady. Don't jump to conclusions. In a tub. You know Uh, how nervous and uh, and, and argumentative the Scots get. Yeah, that's true. I'll back off. Uh, Back to you, Mike. Thank you. Uh, Talking of the blowhards we get on this show, uh, you (laughs) win the abbreviation of the week. Uh, We were lucky enough to be joined by Gabriel Elefteriu. Uh, the head of the Policy Exchanges Space Unit. Quite a distinguished title. Um, but what did you call him? Everybody seemingly looking at things with a 363, uh, 360 rather degree view. We just heard that from the space guy uh, as well. <laughs> the space guy? The space guy. What's wrong with that? Everybody knew who I meant. <laughs> well, I didn't want to say LF Terryu too many times in case <laughs> yeah, I got it wrong. Um, Caller Dion from Langley now. He wins Reaction of the Week. Turns out he's not a huge Massive Attack fan. Even Massive Attack turned up and did a show. Did they? Yeah, they did it. Marble Arch the other night, yeah. Oh, for God's sake. I mean, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> totally not even I'm ridiculous. not a miserable old get or anything, but... <laughs> no, of course not. You know, there's a way of doing things, isn't there? Oh, I, I think you're right. He doesn't like Massive <laughs> no, Attack, does he? Not a fan. Uh, James in Sunderland, another caller. He kept us in suspense. He wins Caller of the Week. Uh, let's go to James, who's in Sunderland first up. Hello, James. Hello, James. Are you there? Yeah. Yeah, James, hi. How are you doing? <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> it's always great, though. I don't know why it's funny, but it's always funny. Uh, yeah, it's great. Um, and finally, we do always like to end the pair of awards on a musical musical clip, uh, if possible. Uh, this week is no different. Winning song of the week is this banger uh, sung by one of the Extinction Rebellion well, uh, protesters whilst lying down in the middle of Fleet Street. We <laughs> you sure it's not Alan Jones? <laughs> it sounds like a bit like walking in the air. What do you prefer, that or the bird song we've been playing? All well, do you know, I've been news. saying to uh, the newsreader, David Spencer, that the bird song sounds like what goes on in my back garden in Sussex. We've got a woodpecker and um, loads of other birds. So, I mean, you know. I thought you were going to say in your head there. In my head? <laughs> yeah. No, no, those are just voices. <laughs> okay. I don't have any bird song. Uh, that's it for so the So no Roxy Wars. then. People are very disappointed. No. Uh, no He's not even, Roxy must have rung in when you were off. Yeah, I was going to say, I She was remember. the Extinction Rebellion person from uh, Devon. Ah, yes. Right, who had been saying on Twitter that I was very unfair to you. So I said, well, why don't you ring in? So she rang in um, and it went on quite a long time. And maybe you'll have to include it next week. Yeah, even if possibly. it's this week. Well, um, I'm sure Roxy's call will be in the uh, Mike Graham podcast. It was in the available. podcast that went out on that day. Is that, is that 
But it wasn't in the Perrier, so people are disappointed. But thank you very much well, indeed. my apologies. Uh, that's it for the Perrier mm. Awards. There'll be more next week. The Perrier Awards on Talk Radio. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.